when you hear that noise shift gears to college football talk, no better lead-in than Chris Kleiman that's on a roll. Plus, he got a new contract for Kansas State. How about that? The red-hot Kansas State Wildcats in action against Max Duggan and TCU this weekend. I'm Jay Binkley, Julio Sanchez producing the operation. We'll go to Manhattan, Kansas and talk to John Kurtz, who also has Faithful to Our Colors podcast on the 435 Podcast Network. All things Kansas State. And, as always, Gary Pinkle, former Missouri all-time winning coach, Toledo winning coach, joins us to talk Mizzou football at around 8.30, followed by Alex Gold with Wave in the Wheat podcast on the 435 Podcast Network, all about Kansas football. Of course, you can hear Alex Gold. 10 to 2 weekdays. Well, it's not COVID this week in college football, though it kind of is. Baylor had to suspend operations of the football program this week. Didn't know if you knew that, Julio, but they don't play this week, so that helps. Less miles, COVID with Kansas, but Kansas doesn't play this week. So a couple of, uh, that's, that's why it's great the Big 12 to put in, you know, those those buffering games, having those bye weeks. Some of the Pac-12 and the Big 10 aren't going to have, and not only that, We've seen other things as well with college football as uh, the conference we're watching now, the the, uh, the uh, American Athletic Conference, Tulane and Houston playing in a game right now. And it's one of those things where the hurricane has been a problem. This is the new thing. 2020, baby. Brett McMurphy uh, tweets out Saturday's Florida Atlanta game at Southern Miss postponed because of Hurricane Delta. Where does Hurricane Delta fall into the landscape of local college football? University of Missouri, who got a horrible draw. Let's face it, they got a horrible draw to start the season against Alabama, play a ranked Tennessee on the road, and then, oh, by the way, you're going to LSU the third game. So it's Alabama and LSU (laughs) that have collected rings like crazy in the first two of the first three weeks. Unbelievable. That game, because of Hurricane Delta, was going to be an 8 o'clock game in Baton Rouge. That game has been moved to 11 a.m. in Columbia, Missouri. Um, so SEC alternate network, plus you can hear that game, 98.1 FM. So the hurricane posing problems in college football as well. But uh, starting off Kansas State, of course, they lose to Arkansas State in game one. Go down and give Oklahoma a loss. Oklahoma, by the way, lost to Iowa State this year, too. Two, two losses now in the Big 12. And... Kansas State beat them, come back, and they beat a uh, Texas Tech team that took the Texas Longhorns to the wire. But the Kansas State Wildcats look good. And this guy, we keep talking about this guy for Kansas State. I'll talk more about him with John Kurtz. Back-to-back Big 12 Newcomer of the Week, Deuce Vaughn. Midfield is Vaughn to the 40. Deuce Vaughn to the 30, to the 20, 10, 5. Wildcat touchdown. Deuce Vaughn, back-to-back newcomer of the week in the Big 12. 113 yards rushing, Julio. 7.1 per, three catches, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Get used to that. Undersized guy, true freshman. Get used to the name Deuce Vaughn. He's a stud. Skyler Thompson, local product, won the Simone Award at Fort Stage, got hurt in the first half. Highly touted Will Howard, the freshman, comes in for Kansas State for the second half. I will add this caveat. Cody and Gold have, this, have been known to jinx players with Chiefs. Like they had Harrison Butker right after the you know the big night that he's been three, since that interview, three straight extra points missed in three straight games. 
They've had a knack for this. You know what? That jinx extends to college football. Guess who they had on last week? Skyler Thompson. So, I digress. Chris Kleiman gets a huge contract extension for Kansas State. Well-deserved for him. Led the Wildcats eight wins last year in a bowl berth in his first season at Kansas State. So, Chris Kleiman being rewarded. $3.1 million in 2021, $3.5 in 2022, $4 million in 2023, $4.3 in 24 and 25. Good news for Chris Kleiman, who finished off with back-to-back wins in the Big 12. Victory formation here. Howard the snap and a knee. And will tip off the final 15 seconds. What a gutsy effort again this week by the Wildcats. For Missouri, that will regroup. And here's where Hurricane and COVID comes into effect. Not only is the game moved to Columbia, which that's an advantage for Missouri, not that travel LSU. Let's face that. Seven players now won't be playing. Eli Drinkwitz uh, said that tonight on a radio show. One with COVID and six for contact tracing, they won't play. Now, he wouldn't say the players' names, which is fine with me. I mean, it, it, I mean let's face it. I know that everybody knows who has COVID and all this because the NFL has the list. But there is privacy still on what a guy has, especially college athletes. I get it. He just said, you will know who's missing. You won't be able who they're playing. So, yeah, you'll be able to probably tell who's not going to play Missouri this past weekend. Lost at Tennessee. Uh, very different Tennessee we've seen with Jeremy Pruitt as head coach. And this is a guy back, I don't know if you ever watched that MTV show. Uh, it was like uh, based on high school football in Hoover, Alabama. He was a defensive coordinator for that team. It was one of those Friday Night Light types. It was like a reality show about high school football. That was Jeremy Pruitt. Before, of course, he comes to fame and an SEC coach. But Missouri goes down at Tennessee in uh, last Saturday. Tennessee crowd counting it down to a fall victory. As today, Tennessee wins the home opener. As Tennessee beats the Missouri Tigers, the final, the Volunteers 35, and the Tigers 12. Two-a-days was the name of that, of course, the Julio Sanchez. Good memory. Did you ever watch that? It's actually a pretty good football show. If you like Friday Night Lights and all those kind of things, and in high school football, it's pretty good. Now, as far as the Kansas Jayhawks, um, not going so well. They lose. Oklahoma State's a good team. Coastal Carolina, I, 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 <laughs> they should have been competitive in that one. Losing to Baylor on the road, okay. But it's the matter in which they're losing. They're not competitive. They lose 47-7 this week to Oklahoma State. Not good. For the University of Kansas as Oklahoma State pulls out the dub in Lawrence. Probably the last play of the game. This is a handoff. Right side. Shaw out to the 30. Tackled at the 35. And that'll do it. Final score, Oklahoma State 47, Kansas 7. I've been watching every Kansas game like I do the local teams. And this week will be nice with Missouri at 11. K-State at 3. And, of course, Kansas with the bye week. I was actually looking forward to this. I know I'm a sick person. I wanted to see Chuba Hubbard and Puka Williams go back to back. I mean, these guys are good running backs in both these teams. Puka, 14 carries, 32 yards. He just couldn't get the blocking for Kansas. Chuba Hubbard, one of the best running backs in the country, 20 carries, 145 yards, and two touchdowns living up to that billing. Um, Mentioned Les Miles has COVID. This was his uh, comment today. Today I was notified I have tested positive for COVID-19. I'm beginning the isolation process at my home and will continue to fulfill my head coaching responsibilities remotely. So, and Jeff Long, the athletic director, said that uh, Coach Miles tested positive. 
At this time, we believe you'll be able to continue to perform his head coaching duties based on other test results. No other coaches tested positive. That's positive for Kansas. As long as Coach Miles does not develop symptoms or have a fever, we anticipate he'll be able to coach the West Virginia game on October 17th. So, again, fortunate for Kansas to have a bye in this game. As I mentioned, Baylor halted their activities uh, due to COVID. Again, a bye week for Baylor. Uh, so that's uh, looks like everything's on schedule. They have Oklahoma State next weekend. Let's hope that they play. This is actually a good weekend for college football. I've mentioned there's, there's just some weekends that aren't real good as far as matchups. Here's the top five games of the weekend so far. Number five, te- Texas versus Oklahoma. Okay. It's lost its luster. These are going to be the two teams battling for the Big 12 crown. Texas lost to TCU for the sixth out of seven times. TCU has ownership over Texas. Oklahoma already two losses in conference with Kansas and Iowa State, but it's the rivalry. Used to be the Red River shootout, the Red River rivalry, but it's still a rivalry game, and I like those things. Texas, by the way, 22nd in the country. Oklahoma, believe it or not, unranked, which is unbelievable. The next game on the docket, Virginia Tech, number 19 versus number 8, North Carolina. Yes, North Carolina is number 8th in the country, 11 a.m. on ABC. Number 3, this is a good one. Number four, Florida. You want to see Kyle Pitts at the tight end. A lot of people want him on the Chiefs. Not going to get him unless you can draft to the top ten. And Kyle Trask, who's on pace for the Heisman at this point. Texas A&M ranked 21, even though they're slapped by Alabama last weekend. 11 a.m. on ESPN for that one. Number two, number 14, Tennessee against number three, three, Georgia. 230, that's a 230 slot on CBS for the SEC. And number one, are they back? The turnover chain has been copied by everybody. Number seven, Miami versus number one, Clemson, 630 on ABC. That is my top game for the weekend. As I mentioned, Kansas has the bye. Missouri at 11 a.m. You can hear that 98.1 FM, our sister station. Be on the SEC Network alternate channel as well. In Kansas State, uh, playing a good one in TCU and Max Duggan. Good quarterback, good dual threat quarterback. He is for TCU. You can hear that game 3 o'clock on 610 Sports Radio, radio radio.com app as well. And that game will be on Fox. So that's kind of the slate of college football this weekend. Now let's get in depth with Kansas State, Missouri, and Kansas. Let's head to Manhattan, Kansas next and talk to John Kurtz. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back to Rush the Field. Jay Binkley, producer Julio Sanchez. I made a mistake of saying that uh, Southern Miss game in Florida Atlantic canceled due to Hurricane Delta. It's actually a COVID issue. I'm getting my disasters mixed up, which you need a roadmap in college football now. Now, at JL Kurtz on Twitter, his name's John Kurtz, faithful to our colors podcast on the 435 Podcast Network. Host the show, K-Man in Manhattan. He is all Kansas State all the time, and he doesn't like Iowa State that much. What's up, John? Hey, I, I do not. I do not, Pink. You hit the nail on the head there. No, I, I I know you don't, but, you know, big week for Kansas State, obviously getting back-to-back Big 12 wins, and Chris Kleiman gets that contract extension, and, you know, these are smart things to do, um, even if you plan on having him or not, because 
if you end up with, with any coach that gets an extension three years down the road, if they're bad, you, you got to pay it. But you know what? You need it because people do dirty recruiting and say, he's only got a contract uh, for another year. So you need that, uh, you know, that, that status. But Chris Kleiman was the right guy to give that contract to. Yeah, I love it. So I think the main thing that it did for K-State is protect them a little bit, especially over the next three years from schools that may try to come poach Chris Kleiman. And I think the school that you worry about the most is Iowa. Chris Kleiman is a guy that's from Iowa. He played um, at Northern Iowa. And who knows how much longer that Kirk Ferentz thing is going to last at Iowa after everything they went through this offseason, um, not only just with him but with his son, who's the offensive coordinator. I think that's really upset the apple cart there. And K-State was paying Chris Kleiman as the lowest-paid coach in the Big 12. So what you had to do was make it so that it's not just a layup for somebody to come in and very easily throw enough money at him to entice him to leave. That's really what K-State has done here. So the average annual value during the contract will be $4 million per year, which is a top 30-ish salary in college football, depending on, on what numbers you're looking at right now. And it throws in a million-dollar buyout for the next three years if somebody were to come grab it. Now, could Iowa still probably pay that? Yes, they could, but it would certainly be a big hindrance, especially in COVID economic times over the next few years as athletic departments try to recover. Now, the trade-off for that for K-State is that they have really, really tethered themselves to Chris Kleiman over the next four, five, six years because the buyout, if K-State were to fire Chris Kleiman tomorrow, would be 75% of the total base salary of the contract, which is about $17.6 million. The lowest that will ever be is $4.3 million in the last year of the deal. I can't see K-State paying $4.3 million to, to fire anybody, even if it got to that point. So basically, you've just locked yourself up with him for six years, and if things were to go south, obviously that starts to, to look pretty bad. But I think everybody around K-State yeah. Uh, feels like it's going in the right direction, and that's not going to be an issue at all. So I think it's something that was necessary to be done. I think Chris Kleiman deserves it. I think he's going to be awesome at K-State, and I'm thrilled to see all of this come together. Speaking of going in the right direction, John. Left, here's the handoff to Deuce, trying to get wide outside left. He's at the 15, to the 10, to the 5, to the goal line. Wildcat touchdown! The deuce is loose, and we keep talking about him. All five, 568-pound true freshman out of Round Rock, Texas. Back-to-back newcomers of the week, awards for him. Uh, unbelievable stuff. He is fun to watch. If people have not tuned into Kansas State games, uh, you're missing out on the deuce. He is awesome. I mean, he really is awesome. And I think the, the part that's been so impressive about it is he's, done it as teams now are starting to see film on him, understand that he really is K-State's offense. He's the leading rusher and leading receiver. And scheme against him, scheme to take him away, and he's still making plays. And he did it against Texas Tech. They decide to bring a blitz on that crucial play on third down where he busts out for a 77-yard back-breaking touchdown and get him matched up on a linebacker. And both he and credit to Will Howard for realizing it as well. K-State's true freshman quarterback realized the matchup. They get him the ball and a tougher catch than you realize, and he's able to spin off a defender and then run it the rest of the way uh, to the house. He's just phenomenal. Uh, he is carrying K-State. He carried them on Saturday when they did have a true freshman at quarterback in the game. And um, he's for as good as he is on the field and as dazzling as he is on the field, he's averaging 10 yards per touch right now, which is just ridiculous through, uh, through the three games that he's played, which is tops in the Big 12 by far. He has the maturity and the smarts to match his skill level, and that's what's been really striking about talking to him. He's a, he's a coach's son, and his dad now is a scout for the Cowboys. He used to be a coach at Texas. 
Um, and he has clearly been brought up through the game of football and is incredibly cerebral and incredibly mature. In fact, when we asked him about that last play, that touchdown, he started criticizing himself for not going down and being able to kill the rest of the clock as opposed to scoring the touchdown. Uh, I mean, who does that after you make a play like that? that Coaches' sons do that. It's been really fun. Yeah, coaches, uh, NFL teams love coaches' sons, but Kansas State gets the win 31-21. Texas Tech take, took uh, Texas to the wire before they played Kansas State. It was going to be the Allen Bowman versus Skylar Thompson show. Both guys end up getting hurt in this game. Skylar Thompson did not uh, play the second half, and in came uh, six, six, five, uh, Will Howard from Downington, Pennsylvania, highly recruited. You talk about true freshman Deuce Vaughn. There's plenty of young talent at Kansas State because Will Howard came in for that second half, 7 of 12, 173 yards, and a touchdown. Um, pretty good stuff from the true freshman. Yeah, I thought considering the situation, he did everything you could have asked for out of him. Um, incredibly poised. He's another one that's just talking with him a couple times now, and he's, he's very mature, wise beyond his years, was here in the spring working as much as he could to, to get ahead. Um, so I, I don't think that comes as a huge surprise to K-State's coaching staff, but you never know once the bullets actually start flying. And um, You know, he's a guy who was here in the spring but didn't get actual spring practice, right, to develop and then wasn't taking number one reps throughout the week. In fact, he, he's splitting some of the number two reps throughout the week because Nick Ott, who's also a guy that was thought to be K-State's backup quarterback heading into the year, is, is getting some of those reps. And all of a sudden he's just thrown right into the fire and K-State needs him to go win a game on Saturday. And thought the biggest play of the game was him hooking up with Riley Moore, a Kansas City area kid who's been an Huge. awesome transfer tight end for them for a big catch and run that set up a go-ahead touchdown in the second half when they had fallen behind. So very poised. I think he's going to be really good moving forward in the future. I think the concern right now is, hey, is this going to have to be Will Howard's deal for the rest of the year because the coaching staff has been very coy about Skylar Thompson's injury status, which is not typically their M.O. Usually they're pretty – open about what's going on with injuries, and they've been very guarded about what's happening with Skyler heading into the game Saturday. It seems to be a theme in college football because they don't have to be uh, as transparent as the NFL. What are you saying? I mean, What are you seeing and what are you hearing from Kansas State on the quarterback this week facing a very good quarterback, Max Duggan, from TCU? Uh, TCU that beat Texas six out of the last seven times, wins last weekend. But who are you expecting under center to start that game? In my head right now, I would say Will Howard. Um, I, I, have heard, I have heard things all across the spectrum. You, you know, usually you know, the group of us in the media, we have a pretty good handle on what's going on, not only just because of what's being said publicly, but behind the scenes things are usually pretty straightforward. I'll be honest, this one with Skyler has been all over the board. Um, I've heard out for the year. I've heard pretty minor should be back. Chris Gleiman has preached the entire week that uh, he has a chance to play actually on on Saturday. But what it's come down to is every day it was Monday. Chris Kleiman said he's got a chance to play. It'll depend on how things go today and tomorrow. And then on Tuesday it was, hey, it depends on how things go Tuesday and Wednesday. And then today we heard from Courtney Messingham, the offensive coordinator, and it was still depends on how things go the rest of the week. So that's basically what's happened. They've just kicked the can down the road on that. Uh, there's been enough uncertainty there that if I had to guess, I would say Will Howard. But to be honest with you, I just don't really know what's going on, quite frankly. John Kurtz from K-Man in Manhattan, Kansas State at TCU. 3 o'clock, you can hear that game right here. 610 Sports Radio and the radio.com app. Also, you can check out the podcast, Faithful to Our Colors. John Kurtz is K-State man as far as information 
is concerned and follow him on Twitter during the games. He will give you updates as well. Thanks a ton, John. Hey, anytime, Bink. Always enjoy it, man. All right, man. Take care right there. John Kurtz, it's an update on the Kansas State Wildcats. As I mentioned, Missouri got their game moved from Baton Rouge because of Hurricane Delta. But there's also COVID issues in Missouri, and that's kind of a, a new thing that popped up this afternoon. The all-time winning leader of wins at the University of Missouri, Gary Pinkle, joins us next. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio. And joining us now, the all-time winner in college football wins at Toledo and the University, and also the author of the book, The 100-Yard Journey with Dave Matter, forward by Nick Saban, the one and only Coach Gary Pinkle. Coach, uh, good evening. Good evening. How you doing? Hey, we're doing good, Coach. Uh, I, I tell you, you know, you and I have talked about a lot of different things. We've talked about, obviously, the challenges of COVID and uh, the different things college football coaches face. And now let's talk the challenge of hurricanes. Uh, LSU had to move the game, a night game, in in LSU, which is really good for Missouri. At least that's one positive thing. And they'll go play Missouri at 11 a.m. So they're switch switch swapping places. But the bottom line is the schedule for Missouri, you start against Alabama. Then you're on the road against the ranked Tennessee. Then you have LSU. So it's LSU and Bama, two of the two of the first three games. That's rough, but I guess at least this game is at home for the Tigers. <laughs> at least it's home, yeah. But first of all, you know you can't cry about it, moan about it. You're not going to do that. You kind of deal with it. Uh, with the uh, hand you're played, and you know it's interesting that that I just and I keep going back to this. And it doesn't matter, except I kind of defend the University of Missouri, obviously. Uh, just the I just the, the scheduling that that happened when they took away all the non-conference games and just added uh, LSU and Alabama to us. So that's certainly uh, certainly frustrating. Uh, but we got LSU home. Uh, it's going to be it's a switch. Uh, they're going to get the game on. Uh, I was really, I was really surprised when I heard that the other day uh, when it happened. But uh, you know, it really kind of takes uh, takes all that drama out. Are you going to have the game there? Can you play the game? Can sure. you not? And all that. If you're not, and the other thing is when you're going to replay it if you can't play it now. So uh, I think that's one of the things that the SEC office has to do. And they made the move. And I think uh, you know, we can t- take advantage of it now and get a pretty good fan turnout considering uh, the limitations we have. Coach, the game was going to be a night game at LSU. It's going to be an afternoon game then. Um, I, I kind of interested in the, kind of the analytics of football, the way a coach looks at things. Did, was there ever an optimal time that you like to play, whether it's at night, get that adrenaline going, get the fans, you know, cranked up and ready to go, but then there was that anticipation for the players? Or would you like to go get the game out of the way early in the morning and don't have those years? Is there an optimal time for a college football coach to want to play? Well, you know, it's interesting. Coaches talk about this, but you never really, while you're coaching, you never really throw it out there. I mean, at least I never did it because – for your players, they just got to hear whenever the game's played, wherever it's played, you know, whatever the circumstances are, weather-wise, whatever, we're going to go play. So you can sit there and flip it, spin it, turn it on you want. It's not going to matter. But the truth of the matter is when you've got a game on a Saturday night, a lot of times when you're really doing well, and we had quite a few years when we were really playing well and competing um, for championships, uh, you know, a lot of times you get on that 8 o'clock, 6 o'clock or whatever in, in Saturday evening. And I'm just telling you, you know, all day long, you're, you're there, you have some meetings, you have with your players, but Pretty much, you, you you kind of fill the day up for your players. They're not just sitting around watching TV all day. But as coaches, as a head coach, I'm sitting there watching back and forth the games for a while, and I see all the mistakes people are making. I'm sitting, so I'm laying in my hotel room, I'm thinking, guys, it's through an interception, they had a fumble, 
And I'm just, you know, beside myself. You know, the things you, that you can do to beat yourself. So to make a long, uh, to give you the answer to what, what, what you asked, uh, I would play every single game at 11 o'clock okay. if they let me. It's because it's over with. You get to enjoy the rest of the day. You got a longer weekend, and uh, but at the end of the day too, they kind of flip that a little bit. They get you at eleven o'clock. Nothing wrong with being eleven o'clock. And, and it has nothing to do with, with prestige there. But you know, the, the big the big money maker for them is you know later in the afternoon and evening. Sure, I didn't. I just didn't know. I mean, I didn't know how you would approach the, as a coach. Like, if you have that extra time, you are able to look at other things. Maybe you second guess yourself at a game plan or whatever. And sometimes. If we have more time, we overthink things. And and then you have to worry about the players and, you know, keeping them ready to go, make sure they're fed, make sure they're ready for the game. So I just always kind of wondered what a coach really preferred. Yeah, well, what you do, and again, the first thing I said, it's very true, the preparation, preparation that you have for your team, we spend a lot of time on preparation. The final 48 hours from Thursday night practice is over until we kick off on Sunday. And, you know, what are we doing to prepare? And how can you, at the end of the day, when you kick off at 11, 3, 7, whatever it is, when can you play and how do you play your best game? And that's really a challenge, honestly, for almost all kids who play college football, the level that we're at, um, and probably other levels too. But certainly uh, just how difficult it is and, and how important it is that your optimum level of performance and your mind's tied into that because you can't be that way unless you're unless you think it, you own it, you feel it. And so that's a challenge, and especially with young players, that they just couldn't, they struggled a little bit. I used to, we used to tag young players as veteran players. you got a starting all-conference junior player starting a right guard. we got a, a redshirt freshman uh, tackle. You know, you be like Johnny, the right guard. Watch what he does. Watch how he prepares. You hang out with him for a couple of weeks and what he does and how he does it. And I'm talking about the preparation, not in practice, but the video preparation, the things you do mentally, mental rehearsal. I can go on and on with, with that, uh, how important that stuff is. At the end of the day, that's what all coaches try to do is to get their whole football team to play at their very, very best. Like I said, whether it's storming, whether it's away, whether it's home, whether there's nobody in the stands, whether there's 80,000 people in the stands. And um, that was honestly one of the biggest challenges you had in building the program. And when you got to that point, you know, it was, it was really fun because you're, you knew you were going to be ready to play. The leadership got the team there. The young players understand it, and then you go. Um, but uh, that's one of the great things about uh, you know, college football at the level we were at. It was, you know, really exciting. And those are little things you had to have your, on your checklist that you were better at preparing for games in the final 40 hours than other people you, you played. But there's reasons why that you were. Coach, uh, you know, watching you coach in Missouri, you're one of guy that uh, you were somebody, you know, you're like anybody, you deal with distractions, and you never blinked. I mean, you never let it show. And what we're seeing now in football, and I know this is you know switching to the NFL for a second, but I think college coaches are dealing with it too. We were just talking about, you know, how our hurricane can switch your plans up like that. In the NFL, we, we see COVID. You know, Cam Newton didn't play against the Patriots and and I, I remember what Frank Clark said after that game for the Chiefs defense. He said, you know, this is a game where it's, you, you got to be prepared. And you got to prepare that backup quarterback. He becomes your second most important person. And I, it's not really a question about the NFL or anything else. It's about coaching and dealing with distractions. I mean, we're seeing these NFL coaches, you know, lose their starting quarterback a couple days before the game. And then you have to prepare your team to play. You have to make sure everybody, you know, tests right and everything. I can't imagine – dealing with distractions today 
how do coaches do that sometimes when you're prepared to play somebody? You got to flip the game plan on who you're playing. This just seems like a this just seems like a big one big learning experience for all coaches, pro and college. Yeah, it really is. I mean, it, it, you know, this at the end of the day, uh, you know, this, this COVID nineteen, what's happened? I mean, look at the changes since last April of all college sports, pro sports. Look at everything that's happened, even going to last March and end of February. Uh, it's just, it's just the whole world changed. And guess what? Then all three weeks later, it completely changed another way. And then three weeks later, let's try this. And, you know, they, they really didn't. And so they're making all these new things. They're trying to make it better for everybody else. And I, I don't think there's anything really like this. You know, I, all of a sudden, you're not going to start September 1 with your, with your schedule. You're gonna, your, your game's going to be the 26th or the third week in September. And, and what are you going to do to prepare your players? And in fact, I talked to Coach uh, Drinkwitz a little bit this about, you know, about, you know, he's got a brand new guy. They have no idea how they're going to prepare, how they're going to prepare the last 48 hours, last 24 hours, you know, after the game week practices are done, off the videos done, how they get that optimum level of playing. And the distractions have been staggering, you know, with, with personnel issues. And like you said, people coming down with it on the team, and all of a sudden they're, the guy you're playing on each side of you are, are, are rookies because you know because uh, the other two got got the virus. Um, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And you know, my thing was with him was just as I mentioned to him was just uh, you know just to completely try September one on, even though they have school, even though they don't have games the first couple weeks. Get on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday game week schedule. So, you know, you're, and then and he was going to do that anyway. I just have to, it wasn't because of me. But the point was, was that, you know, get on a schedule. This is what we are and who we are. And, and I also, and I, when I talked to the team a little bit about teamwork, he asked me to do that a few weeks ago. Uh, I, I, what I told him is, I, you know, all this crazy stuff that's happened every 48 hours, it changes. You all can learn how to focus better on, on getting your job done and doing the things necessary. And when change happens, Later on, it's going to be nothing compared to what you've been through. You've been through the change that nobody else in the history of, you know, from a football perspective, high school, college, or the NFL, nobody's ever experienced about this constant change all the time. But also, you can learn to sharpen your focus and your concentration to battle it, which eventually is going to make you a better football player and, and a better football team. So, um, you know, there's a, you, you, there's a you choice when you have these adversities and, and – like we've always done that, those are very, very difficult, and it's hard to deal with those things. But at the end of the day, if you focus on, you know, you, 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 things aren't working well, then you get a plan, you stay positive. That's the most important thing. You stay positive, and you work to fix it and, and, and follow the plan. And, and then there's that thing called perseverance that we all have in us. It's that gut feeling stuff when, you know, that you have when things aren't going well. You persevere. I call it fuel. I told my team that all the time. Things aren't going well. You're looking around going, what the heck? What you do is you persevere. You that perseverance fuel in your body that says, I'm not quitting. I'm going to get better. I'm going to focus better. And then, you know, before you know it, you're, uh, you're going to be playing, and, and, and you can adjust to these things. And, and I think take that approach. I think um, at the end of the day, it's going to help you better. Yeah, these are definitely character-building days. Gut check time. You know, let's sit back and 10 years later and look back and say, man, you know what? 2020 gave us challenges, overcame us. It made us better people. And then, and players, and, and hopefully that works. And, and Coach, final thing for you, uh, Eli Drinkwitz named Connor Bazelak, the starting quarterback uh, against LSU, had a start last year against Arkansas. You know, I, I like some of the things I saw in Tennessee. I understand this. I, I, this guy was a highly touted high school quarterback. You clearly have quarterback experience going way back to Washington. 
with Mark Brunell. You know that position inside and out, but you know, watching him throw and looking at the arm strength and look at some of the decisions he made, um, you had to like it if you were a Tigers fan. Yeah, I really was. I was really impressed, you know. Um, you know, his his uh his accuracy is throwing. I I don't know, you know, he, you know, every quarterback's different in how they run. I think he's he's athletic. How athletic I'm not sure. But at the end of the day I really thought he he really did some good things, especially for seeing me in such a young player. It's a retro freshman. And I just think, you know, I I feel really good that we got a guy that really think I think we have a chance to become a really really good player because as all our fans know out there, you know, and anybody knows anything about college football or the NFL or any degree of football, you know, the quarterback position is a is a is a game changer. You know, if you if you have the right guys at that spot, that's just the way football is. The greatest team sport ever. We got got guys that six six that weigh three hundred twenty pounds. You got guys five nine, weigh 180 pounds. They play on the same t- team and on the field at the same time. Uh, and it's the greatest team sport, except for one spot. That's quarterback. And uh, I feel very good that this, this kid's got a really good chance. And you know, if he gets he has to stay healthy and just keeps getting better and not get frustrated, and they'll help him through that. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's always been my favorite sport, and I consider the quarterback position the toughest position. In all of sports, so uh, yeah, no question, a lot, no a lot of pressure on them. You got to, yeah, you got to have that guy. It's got to have leadership, the talent. You got to have everything, talent and leadership, and it's a, it's a tough balance. And the good ones do it, and the ones that have it have it, and no one knows what it is, but some guys have it, and we all know what that is. Yeah, but your job, head coach, to find it. Yeah, you got to find it. And honestly, at the end of the day, I had to sit down with any quarterback I recruited. I, I was blessed at Washington. NFL quarterbacks to lead all conference once with a bunch of NFL guys here at Missouri. And I don't know why it happened to me, but the one thing that I was good at, and most of the things I'm not very good at, was I could spend, sit down and spend a couple hours um, with the quarterback and just, just talk with them and just kind of go over a bunch of things and just, and I could walk away and really get a good feel if he's got the it factor. And I really believe that. Um, and that's what Andy said about Patrick Mahomes. You know, they watch him play every single one of his games. Senior year, and, and he when he when he came visited, they spent you know, four hours together, and you walk away from that four hours, and you're you're going to have a feeling you got you got you got there's got to be you know where do where do you rate this guy on, on your on your comfort zone that this guy's got this special thing in him because that's what you have to have if you want to be good at that position. It just you know just and it's hard to find. Well, you know we were right a lot of the times. Hopefully we're right here at Mizzou now with this guy. We're excited about that and. I think Patrick Mahomes was a pretty good decision, too. Yeah, I, I like the way that Lee Steinberg, <laughs> his agent, handled the coach. You know, they didn't do endorsements that first year. And we see first-year quarterbacks in the NFL really do commercials before they've even done anything, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, and they didn't do that, and they didn't want to do that. They wanted to prove themselves. And, and this goes back to, back to Pat's, you know, father being a professional baseball player. You know, when he gave him the advice, learn, win the locker room, get the respect, yeah. you know, get that first. Yeah. And I think Alex Smith being here really helped. I mean, I look back at Alex Smith and what he did for Patrick Mahomes, and that's irreplaceable having a quarterback kind of check his ego and help a young quarterback that's there to take your position, do your job. It's a very selfless thing um, in sports, what, what he did. And, yeah, you, you got to earn that respect, man. you got to win that locker room. That's a, it's a, such a big thing for a quarterback. They gotta, your team's got to believe in you. Yeah, all, all of the above. I mean, that's why it's so hard to find somebody that's good enough to do it. You know, you, you need 32 of them in the NFL, and there aren't 32 people like that good enough to play at that level and the same thing to be a great college football team, you know, that that's what you need. And that's that's um 
that's a beautiful thing about that position. Um, but you know, uh, Mahomes, Mahomes, you know, is, is difference between him. I mean, he's a guy that um, I'm just telling. You, I've never seen anybody like this guy in all the years I coached quarterbacks. And uh, he's got the, he's got everything, and it's and exciting because he also seems like a great kid, and it also seems like he's got humble and uh, wow, two M's. And hopefully we're saying the same thing about our, our retro freshman quarterback at Mizzou. He's, yep. Hopefully it's going to be the same thing. Go to GaryPinkle.com, the GP Made Foundation. Uh, Coach does a lot of wonderful work there. Make a difference every day is the model for that. You can see the 100-yard journey. There's a link uh, to buy the book and uh, about the foundation as well. Any other events coming up I'm missing, Coach? No, we're, we're okay right now. Okay. We're, uh, we're, we're doing some things. I'll, I'll have some announcements of some things that we're going to be doing uh, uh, in, in the future. Uh, and, and I'll get to it when, I, when, I, when we settle the dates and everything. I'll get that up. But we're always trying to help kids. You know, it's, that's at the end of the day. That's what our foundation's about, is helping kids. And uh, um, we're excited to be in a position that we can do that. It's what you've been doing. It's what you've always done. Coach, I uh, can't thank you enough for the conversation. Okay, bud. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Bye. There's Coach Gary Pinkle. And, by the way, college football, American Athletic Conference tonight, Tulane 24, Houston 7. Houston, is, this is their first game of the year. Tulane's 2-1. and one. They've had four cancellations this year. And, of course, in the NFL, 13-7 bucks with about a minute 30 left for halftime. But coming up next, Alex Gold of Cody and Gold in Waving the Wheat podcast about the University of Kansas football team. Next. You're listening to Rush the Field with Jay Binkley, 610 Sports Radio. And welcome back. Time to talk some Kansas Jayhawks. But if you happen to be watching college football tonight between Tulane and Houston, 24-21 now. These games change so quickly in college football. By the way, Jimmy Graham just scored a touchdown. For the Chicago Bears, they lead 14-13, 36 seconds left in the first half of Thursday night football. And, of course, the news earlier in the NFL with the Kansas City Chiefs and Buffalo Bills. The Bills-Titan games looks like Tuesday. And then the Thursday for the Chiefs-Bills game would be moved to, like, Sunday. Presumably, that's even though it's not definitive. But if for some reason that game gets canceled, the Chiefs would still play the Bills on Thursday. Again, get a roadmap there. Joining us now, Alex Gold, Mr. Jinx from Cody and Gold 10-2. In the afternoon, and also host of Waving the Wheat podcast, all things Jayhawks, 435 Podcast Network. Uh, do you like that Jinx moniker, Alex? See, I think it's actually mainly Cody, man. That's why today I decided to not let Cody interview one. I heard that. When we had him on the show. I think it's time to break the curse, the, the Butker, the Sammy Watkins, the Skylar Thompson mm. curse. So I think we took care of it. Yeah, we brought up the uh, we brought it up on this show since it's college football. We brought up the whole Skylar Thompson interview you guys had, and uh, you know, right before we talked K State, because I felt it was pertinent. He might not even play this yeah, week. That, you, you had to remind me, man. You had to remind me about that one because, of course, they were coming off that big one against OU, and then Skylar Thompson playing so well, and unfortunately got hurt there in the in the second half of that game against. Texas Tech. Hopefully, he'll be all right going forward. But yeah, we, we've got to reverse something. We got to do something different. We can't be having this stuff keep happening. Okay, Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, it's been rough for the Jayhawks. I mean, there's one thing about being close in games. Another thing, just getting boat raced. Uh, this week, Oklahoma State visited Lawrence. And he, he, listen, Oklahoma State was picked second in the Big Twelve. We we know that that's a good football team. 
We, we knew that Shane Illingsworth, who's been quarterbacking for them, because Spencer Sanders is hurt, a true freshman quarterback, but they have Chuba Hubbard, one of the best running backs in the country. And I was looking forward to a Puka Chuba Hubbard showdown. But of course, when Kansas actually fell down 44 to nothing in this game, it limits Puka to just 14 carries. Yeah, and Puka has been, you know, honestly a little disappointing overall. Now, you know, I say that in less miles without actually calling out anybody individually on the offensive line. He pretty much said that's not Puka's fault. He's like, yeah, that, that, that production, that lack of production, yeah, that's not on Puka. We know what he's capable of doing. And essentially, that's his way of, of calling out the offensive line bank. This offensive line has been dreadful for Kansas so far. And you look at some of the grades that are out there through through the first couple weeks of the season. It is as bad as bad as it gets. There's about 75 teams playing college football, and they rank towards the bottom right now just in terms of uh, run protection overall. It has been abysmal for them. The passing game for them offensively also, uh, and when it comes to just passing yards, is towards the bottom. In fact, I believe they're dead last in a couple of the passing categories out of 75 teams. It has been rough sledding, and, and you're right. Once you go the first three possessions, three and out, against a, a team like Oklahoma State that has Chuba Hubbard on the other side, yeah, you just don't have any chance, man. And, and your quarterback, Jalen Daniels, who you know had an opportunity to play, unfortunately he gets hurt. They're just in a really, really tough spot. And I guess you could say, although it's a good thing to get a bye week to maybe see if they can't scheme something up, but it's been a major disappointment. Not that anybody thought they were going to be winning games against Oklahoma State or Baylor necessarily, but they just haven't been competitive at all. Yeah, no question about it. And you just think, you know, Oklahoma State, 11 tackles for loss in this game, six sacks. They were all over that offensive line. And the quarterback situation wasn't good for Kansas either. Kendrick, 11 of 19 for 90 yards. Of course, you know, Jalen Daniels in limited time, three for five, two yards. Um, it's not like one guy is really showcasing himself over the other. No, not at all. And you got you Thomas McVitie, who, you know, was the, the starter split time with Miles Kendrick, uh, you know, on, on week one against Coastal Carolina in that loss. And they've been really, it's kind of been strange how they've approached it. With McVitie is hurt right now, but we still haven't got a ton of information on really what's going on there. They haven't said the season ending injury. Uh, is he going to be available here after the bye week against West Virginia? It's kind of this weird, weird situation going on. And, you know, I had Matt Galloway uh, from the To Be Capital Journal on my podcast, Waving the Weed, and we were, he brought up a good point. And it's week one, it was McVitie and Miles Kendrick splitting time at quarterback. And then week two, it was just Jalen Daniels getting the start. And then we just saw this past week, and it was Jalen Daniels and Miles Kendrick. So what's going on there? If, if Miles Kendrick was good enough to split time with Thomas McVitie week one, then how come Kendrick's actually not the starting quarterback once McVitie was hurt? So it's just kind of bizarre how they're how they're going forward. And it sounds like Les Miles thinks Jalen Daniels is going to be available again this season, but he's also at the same time going to be out for a little bit. So it might be a couple weeks before even Jalen Daniels is able to be uh, good to go for Kansas. Yeah, it'd be nice to see you know that start. You know, hoping for things like that, like down the road to Kansas State. You know, seeing Will Howard come in because you jinx Skylar Thompson and he had a really good second half. So, <laughs> yeah, and it's, a, it's a free year too, big. You brought this up a bunch. Like if you're if you're K State, if you're Kansas, especially Kansas with Jalen Daniels, if he gets healthy again, like it's a it's a three year for him. I mean, he could theoretically play six years of football. Oh yeah, all these guys can, no question about it. But uh, you know, speaking of left smiles, you know, it comes down with COVID. Uh, K-State or KU put out a, a you know a, a press release. Les Miles had a comment on it. Jeff Long had a, a comment on it. So it's not speculation. It's fact. And Kansas has a bye week this week. Uh, fortunate timing for Kansas. Baylor, the same thing. They had to cancel their football activities this week because of COVID. At Baylor, they too 
have a bye week before playing Oklahoma State. So, uh, again, I, I think the Big 12 was wise in the way they, they worked their bye weeks out. Uh, but certainly, I guess Les Miles plans to coach remotely, still talk to the players, and Kansas isn't ruling him out uh, for next weekend. He's isolating from home, as you said, right now. And, and that whole situation, first of all, obviously, hopefully he fully recovers. And, you know, he's, he's not exactly the youngest head coach in college football by any means. He's 66 years old. So let's hope he's able to recover and he doesn't have any impact uh, long term and is able to be good to go here. You know, as far as the next game, you're right. It does come at a decent time in terms of the bye week. We, they play West Virginia here in a little bit. And Jeff Long, the Kansas Athletic Director, said if he doesn't have any symptoms, and if he doesn't have a fever, then he'll be back. Now, what's tricky about the whole deal and, and kind of where a lot of the, the questions have come around this big has been Les Miles had his coach's show last night uh, and in, front of, in front of people. And he said, you know, he was asked, anything new on the injury report? And he's like, he kind of joked. He said, well, I'm dealing with a cold. And then here we are 24 hours yeah. later, and he tests positive for COVID. And I'm not saying he, of course, he didn't know he had COVID sure. at the time, but just the fact that, you know, the fact that he was having maybe cold symptoms or whatever, and then it's just, you know, it's unfortunate to bad look uh, for him and, and for the university there. And hopefully he's going to be all right. But, yeah, the Big 12, fortunately, compared to, you know, the Big 10 and the Pac-12 that are going to start up here pretty soon, there's no buffer in their schedules. You know, at least uh, with Baylor, what they're able, you know, they're, they're shutting down their program, but they do have a little bit of a buffer in the Big 12, something mm-hmm. that these other conferences don't have. Yeah, Pac-12, Big 10, they got to play every single week or just take the uh... – Take the L. Of course, Missouri affected with COVID two. Seven guys out uh, for Saturday's game against LSU. That oh, game, man. Yeah, it'd be one, one has it and six contract tracing. But that game's moved from Baton Rouge to Columbia early in the day. Alex Gold waving the week podcast. Guess what? It's halftime of Thursday night football. You're welcome on that, Alex. Thanks for joining us as always.